Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that you are Christ, our King, uh, that you are the one who was born in Bethlehem's manger 2,000 years ago for the purpose of living for us, dying for us, and rising for us. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Lord of our lives even today. And we, Lord, Lord, we also look forward to the day of your return when you come again to rescue us, to rescue us out of this messy world, this painful world. This painful world. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have accomplished all things for us. And we do look forward to the day of your return. So give us eyes to see your word today. Give us hearts to receive what you have for us. Help us to trust in you in the midst of whatever we face in this life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn in your Bibles today to John chapter 13. Sorry, Mark chapter 13. Mark 13, beginning with the 24th verse. Here we continue the theme of last week, and the theme being that we are living in the end times. We are living in the end times. Verse 24 of Mark chapter 13, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers and the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, and evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Is there a story? Is there a story that explains human existence? Is there a story that explains everything? From the origins of, of humanity, even predating the origins of humanity, to the end of all ages, is there a story that explains human existence? Every worldview has a story that explains human existence. Every worldview. Everywhere you go in the world, there will be a view of how we began and how things will end. Christianity is no different. Christianity is no different. 
Everyone wants to try to answer, how did we begin? Why are we here? Where are we going? And how will things end? Now, even when I was a child and when I was in elementary school, sometimes I would look up from my desk and I would look around and I would look at everybody and this thought would come to my mind, why? Why are we here? What is the purpose? What's going on here? Have you ever had that thought come to your mind before? What is this all about? What is life about? Well, Christianity gives to us a worldview or a, a meta-narrative or a grand account that explains human existence from the beginning, now, where we're going, and how things will culminate in the end. As Christians, we believe human history is the great account or meta-narrative of darkness to light. From darkness to light, from defeat to victory, from death to life. That is the grand story of Christianity. Our lives as human beings are, are filled with messy, painful, and even dark times. How many of you would say, yes, that has been a reality for me at times in my life. Life has been messy. Life at times has even been painful or even dark. Yet for the Christian, in the middle of all of the darkness of this world, we have great light, and we have victory, and we have life. Did you know that that belongs to you today? Light, victory, and life in this messy, painful, dark world? It is yours today. Jesus said it best. Jesus said it best. In this world, you will have trouble. How many of you can say, Pastor, amen? In this world, you will have trouble. But then Jesus says this, but take heart, take heart. Where does he point? Does he point to us? Does he say, look within yourself? Does he point to something in this world? Where does Jesus say when he says, but take heart? He says, I, I have overcome the world. Christ is the one who has overcome this messy, painful, dark existence that we often find ourselves in the middle of. Today we celebrate the last day of the church year. Next Sunday will be the first Sunday in Advent, which actually kicks off the church year. But traditionally, this, this Sunday is Christ the King Sunday, where we are reminded of who our King is, who the King of, of victory and glory is, that it is Jesus Christ, the one who has overcome the world. In the difficulty of this life, we do not lose heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is no need to lose heart. There is no need to lose hope. 
There is no need to remain in despair because Jesus is king. Jesus has overcome this messy, painful, dark world. We have to ask the question, where does the mess come from? Where does the pain come from? Where does the darkness come from? Where does suffering come from? The account of human history as told in the Bible tells us. We go all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. You know the account. It started long ago with our first parents in the Garden of Eden. And now it's spread even to us. That sin that entered into the garden is still here. It's still here. It still invades my thinking. It still skews my perception. It's been passed down from one generation to another like a hereditary disease that is passed down from parent to child, messy, painful, dark. And it doesn't take long, or it didn't take long, for the messy, the painful, and the dark to overshadow our first parents, Adam and Eve. Remember, Adam and Eve had two boys. What were their names? Cain and Abel. You know the account. Things got really messy between Cain and Abel. Two brothers. Cain grew jealous. Cain murdered Abel. It's unbelievable. The first family in human history experienced one of the most horrific experiences that a family can can experience suffering. It goes deep. It goes deep. We see it around the world. We turn on the news every day, and I don't have to recount for you the, the evening news. I don't want to depress you this morning by telling you what's going on in the news. What I tell people, a lot of people actually come to me in, in my ministry with, with anxiety, and one of the first things I ask them is, are you watching the news? And they say yes. And I say, stop watching the news. Stop watching the news. So we see it, we see it in, in our world. We see it in our country. We see it in, even in our local community. And it's happening to us within our church family. Illnesses. Hospitalizations. Death. Brothers and sisters of Maple Park facing very difficult times. Are bad things happening? Yes. Yes. But should we be surprised? Should we be surprised when these things happen to us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We who have been brought from darkness to light, from death to life, should never be surprised when we hear about or when we experience in our own lives firsthand the suffering of this life. Rather than being taken by surprise when bad things happen, we should face the situation with the realism of what it is. Face difficulty with realism. And then look to Jesus. Look to Jesus as a real Savior. 
a real Savior who promises real salvation. The suffering of life is real. The pain of life is real. The darkness of this world is real. We don't deny it. We don't try to meditate it away as an illusion. We face it with realism. And as we face it with realism, we trust our Savior who has overcome the world. He is a victorious Savior. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is coming again, finally, once and for all, to bring judgment and ultimate salvation to this fallen world. So I have good news for you today, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're living in the end times. This is good news. This is great news. This is the greatest news that the world can receive. But pastor, isn't that scary? Pastor, I, I read these best-selling novels about the end times and it sounds terrible. Yes, for the believer and the unbeliever alike, there is tribulation. There's great tribulation. In this age, in this life. But we, we face tribulation and we look past tribulation to the end in the, that glorious culmination of Christ's kingdom. So we are faced with tribulation today, but we look past it to that great hope and assurance that we have and the promise of Jesus Christ. We look forward to the end of this age of the new heaven and the new earth. Scary? Yes, but for those who trust in Jesus, we have great hope. For those who reject, for those who do not have this, this rock-solid foundation in Jesus Christ, we pray. We pray that we can go to them and share the life, the light, and the victory of Jesus Christ with them, that they too can face tribulation in this life with great hope and great certainty in a great Savior. So for me, the return of Jesus is something I long for. It's something every believer has longed for as long as the promise of Messiah was given to this fallen world. Humanity has been longing for the coming of Jesus Christ. We've been living in the end times for 2,000 years. Since the first advent of Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem's manger, we have been living in the end times. The end times will finally come. It will come to its culmination when Jesus comes in his second advent, when he comes again as we confess in the creed to judge the living and the dead. That will be the day of our victory. That will be the day of the appearing of our King when all of the mess and of the pain and of the darkness of this world will finally be consumed by the fiery judgment of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we will be taken to glory with him for eternity. 
Let's look again at our gospel lesson. Mark 13, verse 24 through 25. If you could put it up on the screen for me, Alex. Our gospel lesson. The beginning of it. Let's look at what Jesus says. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Many Lutheran commentators believe that these words are metaphorical. They're a metaphor of the distress that people will be facing uh, during the last age of the world. Other Lutheran commentators believe that they're literal. In other words, immediately preceding Judgment Day, we will see God's created universe literally uh, become, come unraveled. The universe that God created at the command of his voice being torn down. For there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The former way of things is passing away and behold, all things are becoming new. No need for sun or moon or stars because Christ himself is our light. Regardless of the interpretation, it points us to distress and signs of his imminent return. There are signs which point to the coming of Jesus. Look at verse 26. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. When we as children of the King experience our own suffering in this dying age, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is on his way. Every experience of suffering in this life is a sign, it is a reminder that Jesus is coming again. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is on his way. The limousine has pulled up to the curb. You know that? He's at the gate. He's about ready to come. The door is almost open and he's going to step out into the curb and he's here. At any moment, he's returning. Mark 13, 27, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. This promise that Jesus is coming for you. He is coming for you. He is coming to gather you to himself. Even now, Jesus is gathering his elect. Do you know that? He is already gathering his elect. He is gathering his elect through the messengers who share the gospel with those who don't believe. Through the witness of the gospel, through your witness, God is accomplishing his work of election, of his saving, of his deliverance of sinners, of people who are oppressed by the messy, the dark, the pain. How does God accomplish election? Isn't this one of those topics that's hard for us to understand when we hear about election? That God chooses? How does he choose us? How does he elect us? He elects us by the proclamation of the gospel. And he has chosen you. You believe. When you hear it, you believe it, right? 
That means that you belong to him. You are his. You are chosen by him. And on the day of his return, our salvation will be complete. The elect, those chosen by Jesus, by the preaching of the gospel, will be gathered up unto Jesus. Jesus is coming again to gather his own, to be with him forever in the new heaven and the new earth into that eternal kingdom of light and of life. This is true of you. You are chosen. God chose you to be his very own. Your election is sure and true. Take comfort in it. I'm so glad that he chose me. Are you glad that he chose you? Do you believe? You belong to the king. You are in the kingdom. It is yours. What lesson do we need to learn from the reality of Jesus' soon return? Well, Jesus, in verse 28 of our gospel lesson, points us to the fig tree. The fig tree. He says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near. Where is he near? At the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So we understand the metaphor of the fig tree. We understand uh, that when the leaves begin to change colors, what's on the way? Cold weather, wet weather. Some of us see the changing of the leaves with dread, right? We don't like it when the the leaves change colors because we know it's going to get cold. Well, Jesus said, look at the fig tree. Very important thing to look at as far as agriculture is concerned in that time. The fig tree being a big part of their lives and of their survival. I'm sure that, that, that when the, the, the branches became tender and put, when, when the fig tree put out its leaves, people were excited. Figs are on the way. An exciting thing. So when we see these signs, when we see the difficulties of, of life, when we see the signs that Jesus mentions and other prophecies mentioned throughout the Bible, we know that the time is near. The time is near. Is life messy? Is is life painful? Yes, it is. But look at the signs of the times. Jesus is on his way. The day draws near and near with every moment of tribulation on this earth. Furthermore, remember this. When you experience the messiness, the pain, and the darkness of this life, know that your suffering is one of countless signs pointing to the soon return of Jesus. When you experience messiness, when you experience pain, when life gets dark, know that your suffering is one of countless signs pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. 
We have great hope in suffering as Christians. We know that suffering doesn't win in the end. Jesus is coming again to do away with this world. And when this world is consumed by God's judgment, everything that has or potentially can cause you heartache will be, heartache will be destroyed forever and ever. Suffering will never rear its ugly head again after Jesus comes as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We long for that day. When you experience suffering, know that God's word is the only thing that will remain. You've been through the experience in your life. It seems as if everything has fallen apart. It seems as if the bottom has dropped out. It seems as if you have nothing, right? You've been there. In that experience, know this, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth is going away, but my words will never pass away. God's word, God's promise is the only thing that remains when everything else falls apart, even when this world is consumed by God's judgment, the one thing that remains is God's word. And what he has said is true. What he has said is true. You who stand with confidence in the word of God, you who stand with confidence in his word of grace, you will be saved. You will be saved on the day of judgment. God's word is a shield that protects us today. God's word is a shield that protects us in the awful day of the coming judgment. God's word is a gift to you to hear, to read, to mark, to memorize. God's word is a gift that lifts you up and brings peace and joy even in great tribulation and suffering. Everything else is going away, but this remains. This remains. Verse uh, 32, but about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So don't fall into the trap of predicting the time of Jesus' return. Let me ask you this question. If God the Father hasn't revealed the day of judgment to the angels or even to the Son, what makes you think he's going to reveal that day to some crazy radio preacher? Don't fall into that trap. No one knows the day or the hour. Instead of trying to predict the day, getting wrapped up in all that crazy stuff, do this. Verse 33, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake, therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say, I say to all, stay awake. 
be alert, be ready. His return is at any moment. But how? How can we be alert and ready? It is only in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only in the power of the Holy Spirit working through the word of the gospel that we will be alert, that we will be awake on the day of his return. Did you know that every force, every force of Satan, every force of this world is tempting us to fall asleep? To become lax, to become unprepared for his return. This is why we need the gift of his word, because through his word, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to keep us awake. When the Holy Spirit meets us in his word and sacraments, he causes us to look away from our troubles, to look away from the images of suffering produced by the media, to to look away from, from, from ourselves and this world to Jesus Christ who was crucified and risen and coming again for our salvation. Jesus is coming again to rescue us. He is coming again to destroy every unfruitful work of the enemy. And when the Holy Spirit causes us to look to Jesus through his word, we are given the gift of peace and we are given the gift of joy through the Holy Spirit in his word. Do you have peace today? Are you living with peace? Peace in your heart and in your mind? That's my prayer for you. That you would have the peace of knowing Jesus. That you would know his word. That you would get his word out. You would open it up. You would let him speak to you, to speak to your heart, to speak to your mind. You can understand everything you read in here? No. No. Well, that's okay. You have a lifetime to learn, right? And there are words in here, even though you may not understand every passage or every word or every sentence. There are words in here for you. Pick it up. Read it. Mark it. Memorize it. Pray it. This is how the Holy Spirit works. This is how he brings peace to us and keeps us alert and awake. So let's be a church that keeps our Bible open in our homes. Let's be people of the open word. Open scriptures, reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures. Let's wear our Bibles out. Beautiful woman at the church I served in New York had a Bible. She taught Sunday school. She lived to be 100 years old. You know what her Bible looked like? It looked like if I was to pick it up and open it up, it would fall apart in my hands. Why is that? She read it, she taught it, she believed it, she stood upon it. Even when terrible things happened in her life, 
Let's be a people of the word. Human history is the great story or the meta-narrative of, of darkness to light. That is the, the, the history given to us in the scripture. From darkness to light, from defeat to victory, from death to life. Our lives as human beings are filled with messy, painful, and even dark times. Yet for the Christian in the middle of all the darkness of this world, there is light. There is victory. There is life. It comes from Jesus. It comes from him. Jesus said it the best, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He is coming. He is coming again. He is coming for you. He is coming to take you to be with him where he is. He loves you. He died for you. He forgives you. Where do we hear that? The word of God. Do not be afraid. You have Jesus. He is your savior. Trust in him. Your king. Your coming king. Your great savior. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that the truth of your word today would continually grab hold of our hearts in this world. Help us to not be lulled to sleep by the enemy, but help us to remain awake in the truth of your word and the truth of the promises of who our Savior is. Keep us there, Lord. Because if we're not there, where else will we, can we go? To whom do we have to turn but to you alone? So fill this congregation with your Holy Spirit. Give us a sense of peace and rest and joy in you today that we can truly go in peace and serve you to bring the light of the gospel to a broken world. And we pray this in your name. Amen.